your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Tuesday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Uh, today we have a very special guest joining this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. He's been on here a few times. I don't think he's been on here, though, since sometime last year. I think it was uh, during the uh, return to play in the bubble against Montreal. I think was the last time I had him on. But he has been on Penguins Twitter for uh, probably longer than I have. Um, his at is Redeems Ahorna, but of course his first name is Jeff, one of my very best friends and one of the uh, best Penguin follows. Uh, you could just find on penguins twitter overall with uh memes and always good takes as well uh jeff how are we doing today man pretty good man pretty good yeah so you know obviously this season was uh, well I, I guess it was a success that they won the division but then you know they got ousted by the islanders in six games uh now that it's basically been getting close to i think a week now since they lost to the islanders in six games Jeff, have you wavered on what you think they should do this offseason? Do you think they should just make a few tweaks, or do you think you know this team needs a little bit more than that? Oh, they should fire the coach, trade everybody, you know. No, <laughs> uh, they should just simply find a goaltender who is very solid in backing up Tristan Jari. I still have not lost faith in Tristan Jari. I know that his numbers have gone steeply downhill since that all-star uh, performance that he put together. But, um, you know, it's something that he's young enough that I think he can get back. Goaltending is such a fickle thing. And, uh, you know, if he if he was there once, he can get there again. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do forget that, you know, he, he was good for, I would say, most of this season. You know, definitely that first month and a half was not good. That's basically how he played in the six-game sample size. And all you needed from him was average. They obviously didn't get that. I personally am of the opinion that they should go out and get, like, a veteran 1A, 1B to play with him or, you know, if they really want to uh, make things interesting, send him down to Wilkes-Barre to have him work on his game there and then have Casey DeSmith as the backup to whoever they go and get. That's probably not what they're going to do. I think they're going to stick with him for another year and see if he can work out of this funk and then just, you know, like I said, add someone else in free agency. Um, You know, when you look at the expansion stuff, especially, you know, there's going to be some hard decisions here. Uh, I read from Josh Yoey on The Athletic that it sounds like they may protect Jeff Carter, which – my opinion might be a bit of a mistake. Um, he's 37 years old. I know he had a really just rejuvenated season with the Penguins, but but I just don't think Seattle would take him. Um, just as of right now, Jeff, who are you protecting um, in the expansion, Jeff? Because obviously I think the Penguins are going to go seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie. The only name that I've really heard floated out there that might be available in the expansion draft that I would protect um, – compared to like, you know, the obvious is Jared McCann because McCann has seemed to have like, he's seeming to get back, you know, things back together. Uh, he was injured quite a bit there for a long stretch of time. And once he got healthy, he started on a roll and he really never slowed down. Um, obviously he, you know, underwhelmed a little bit in the Islander series as did a number of the Penguins, but, um, you know, there were other factors of work there. Sorokin was very on his game and, uh, McCann did have his share of good looks. So, uh, Jared McCann is is young. He's definitely uh, one of the better players that I would make sure that I locked up. 
Yeah, I think outside the big four, because, you know, obviously they are protecting Evgeny Malkin, Cindy Crosby, Jake Ensel, and Brian Rust. Uh, McCann also would seem like a lock for that fifth spot. Um, and, you know, you are right. He definitely did have a bit of a down playoff series, but goal scoring in the playoffs is very hard. You know, he was not one of the depth players that could step up when, you know, Crosby was not producing or Jake Gensel or, you know, even Evgeny Malkin, um, even though I think the last couple games he did wake up a good bit. But he just definitely was not one of the players that could step up. You know, it happens. Like I said, goal scoring in the playoffs is very hard. And then those other two spots, I think, after that are the ones where, I think it's going to be most complicated, man. I mean, you could definitely, my, my opinion, I think they should do Bluger and Kapanen. Um, you could make the argument for Bluger and Tanev, you know, Kapanen and Tanev and leave Teddy Bluger exposed. You know, it looks like they may want to protect Carter. You know, you could do Carter and Bluger and leave Kapanen exposed. Um, but, you know, it, either way, I think Seattle is going to get a very good player. It's looking like right now, at least in my opinion, it's probably going to be Zach Aston Reese which I think will be a bigger loss than some people realize because of how well he is defensively. His offensive game really came into fo uh, focus this year, I thought, as well. Um, but you know, there's there's no shortage of tough decisions here, I think, for the Penguins as the expansion draft looms. Um, you know, I kind of disagree. You know, I, I know everybody's, you know, uh, big on how good Teddy Bluger is defensively, but in the same sense, you have Riley Nash as free agent this year, who is a very similar profile to Teddy Bluger. Maybe he doesn't have the intelligence that Bluger has and just the, the eyes on the ice, uh, but he's every bit of sound defensively. And I think that's a lot easier to replace than people actually realize. Um, one thing that I, I might consider doing if I'm Hextall is I might sign Cody Cece to a couple year deal you see if he'll sign relatively cheap and then say to the Seattle GM, uh, hey, look, CeCe had a, a career renaissance here in Pittsburgh. He's cheap. We'll throw a low-round pick if you take him and see what Seattle does. You know, they, they might take him. They might not. Um, but I, I really, the more I think about it and the less confident I feel that Cody CeCe will continue to do better, I think, you know, it, it'll eventually regress to a level similar to what we saw in uh, Ottawa. Yeah. And no, I, that's, you know, all dependent on usage too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. I just, my, my big worry is that, you know, they may go for too much term and too much money for him. And also can, can they afford to bring back CC? I think is the big thing with how, you know, cap strapped they are. And um, just with the flat cap, basically it's going to be there for the next four to five years. You know, do the Penguins want to commit to that? You know, I, I would still probably do a two year deal, Two million per. I don't know if I'm going to go up to three. I think that would be a bit too much for him because you know you don't want him to, like you said, go back to how he was playing in Ottawa. Um, but as you also said, usage matters, and he is a really good bottom pairing defenseman. But on the other side, Jeff, you know I could see them also letting CC walk and then having someone like Chad Ruedel step into that number six spot, who I think is a totally capable. Oh, I think there's a better number six. Uh, well, I think I know where you're going with that, but just tell the audience. Pierre Olivier Joseph. I mean, he's yeah. he played stellar in his small sample size. Granted, toward the end of it, he started to taper off, and you know I, that that might be the rigor of the uh, NHL game compared to the AHL game. But um, I, I certainly think no matter who the Penguins lose, I think they're going to have a good guy, even if they don't sign anybody, filling his boots either on the forward end with uh, Samuel Pullian or defensive end with Joseph. I think they're in a good situation. And if Seattle takes Tristan Jari, is it the worst thing in the world? 
Yeah, they, they somehow take Tristan Jari, man. I honestly might become uh, the, the, the Joker, to be honest. I don't think that would happen. I think they will take a forward just because the Penguins are so deep. But um, I, I would laugh my ass off pretty bad if they did take Tristan Jari. Because, you know, that, that would help a lot of the Penguins' problems. And they would just have to go out in free yeah. agency and uh, sign someone. Penguins like, you know, protect uh, the Smith and yeah. Jari. Yeah, exactly. Him, and you can go out and sign Allmark or... Peter Morozik or even Frederick Anderson, even though he's been healthy. Well, he's been healthy mostly for his career, but he was banged up sure. uh, pretty decently, I would say, this year. And then, you know, if they really want to make things interesting, Jeff, you could re-sign uh, CC, move out Pedersen or Matheson's money, uh, which is a, a good amount of money, let, let's be real here, and then uh, elevate Joseph to the second pair with John Marino. I think that would be really intriguing going into next year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't hate that at all. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense, you know, especially with how cap-strapped they are. You know, every cent matters, I guess, especially when it comes for the Penguins. I mean, you also have to deal with Jason Zucker. You know, what, what are your thoughts on him going into next season before we get to a commercial break? I was one of the biggest Zucker fans when the Penguins got him. I thought, you know, here's a guy who has, you know, very high or very good offensive talent. Granted, is he going to probably repeat his 30-goal season? Doubtful. But, you know, here's a guy who's really good offensively, really good defensively, strong character guy, and he got injured a couple times. And whereas it's kind of like the opposite of Jared McCann. Once he came back from injury, he never really got going. Um, And so I, I think, you know, I don't think Seattle will touch him. They might. It might take them. And if they do, that's what, $6 million off the books. I don't think that's, that's terrible, but um, you know, especially with some pretty big names uh, on the horizon in free agency, but uh, you know, if they take them, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but I wouldn't hate to see him come back either. Yeah. I wouldn't mind it. You know, just because you said, you know, five and a half million off your cap. He also is a good player. He works his tail off, I think every single night. So it would make sense for Seattle to take him, but you know, will they, you know, actually do it and, and take five and a half million to their cap. You know, I'm not really sure what Ron Francis is planning there. Like I said, he might want to go a little bit younger and a bit cheaper, but um, agree um, that I, I think at the same time, it would both help the Penguins, especially in terms of money, but also hurt them because I think he's a lot better than what he showed um, this season. But still a lot mm-hmm. more to get to for this episode of Locked on Penguins podcast. Um, but first, we have a couple things to talk about. Uh, one of them being Wealthfront. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. They're trusted with over $20 billion of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash LockdownNHL. All you need is $500 to get started. You can grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do all the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL to get start growing your savings one more time. Wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. We also cannot forget about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop with auto and body parts with hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog on the site is unique and very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, 
reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, so we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Um, so, Jeff, you know, the, the main reason that I definitely wanted to bring you on here, you know, you, you were touching on this, I think, a bit um, earlier, just on the other day, was just the officiating in the playoffs and how that so many of the game's marquee players are out. You know, they're just they're not buying calls, and the officiating has just been um, a, a joke to say the least. Um, it's just, it's probably the worst of the four major sports. Um, I'll just hit, I'll just give the floor to, to you here with it. Yeah. I mean, what is going on where we have a league where, I mean, granted, may the best team win. Right. But we saw in the Islander series, I think what was it? Sarah Sivian that wrote for the athletic, the article about all the uh, infractions that happened on Connor McDavid, but weren't called. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not making excuses for the Penguins losing here. Elias Rogan was certainly solid in that series. And, you know, he didn't, you know, the Penguins uh, were unable to crack him in those games that they lost. But that means that, you know, there were so many penalties on both sides, both the Penguins and the Islanders that went uncalled. And special teams is really when, are, are really when stars shine. I mean, if at the beginning of the season, you would have told me that, out of the teams remaining in the playoffs, uh, Montreal, Winnipeg, uh, the Islanders this year, um, th- they would beat the teams like the Oilers, the Penguins, the Capitals. It, it would have been a little, uh, mm-hmm. and especially Montreal beating Toronto would have been uh, unthinkable. And I, I don't know if we're regressing to an era of uh, trap style hockey again, or, or a slow game, a kind of like a dead puck, low scoring affair. But I, I don't know how this is good for the game. And, you know, part of me can't help but to think that it stems from um, the inaction that the NHL has taken on George Peros, who has been decidedly since the regular season ended, decidedly uh, inconsistent in where he deals out discipline and how, um, you know, you saw, uh, who was that that scrub on the Islanders, the defenseman Mayfield that crossed yes, Crosby in the back of the head. And there was nothing that happened there. But the other day there was a far less egregious cross check that got uh who was it suspended for two games? Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves. And it's it's you know, uh Tom Wilson could pull the the stuff that he pulls and not get suspended whatsoever. And you know, it, it just it's so inconsistent. And so what Gary Bettman has done is, is essentially pulled the Pontius Pilate uh, role and washed his hands of any, you know, de- delving with the discipline and let George Paris roll. And what's come into play is this league where the, uh, the referees are really running like the mafia. They're, they're dealing out penalties almost at random they're controlling the pace of the game and as a result some of these lesser teams are advancing and it's a terrible product for the league i mean granted tampa bay is still in it and uh colorado or you know vegas they're still solid uh boston's not what it used to be but you know i I just can't figure out why montreal um new york and winnipeg are still in this thing and you know Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid, Matthews, they're all sitting at home. And, and is that really the best for the game? I'm not advocating for, you know, star treatment or rigging the game in favor of the good teams. No, by no means. But 
if you have a rule book, call the rule book. I mean, this is getting more and more egregious to the point where the athletics Don Blue Slizen is uh, calling out uh, the officiating the league. We saw that Sarah Sivian piece. I think it was, uh, it might not have been her. It might've been a, a different uh, writer on that, but we're starting to see more and more people zero in on the referees. And that's just not good. You know, you want your, your marquee teams to be advancing in the playoffs. You want your marquee teams to be doing well, to be growing the game. I mean, I can't even name a, a good player outside of Barzell on the Islanders. Okay. Maybe Beauvillier is decent and uh, Wallstrom <laughs> is okay. But it, it, like, you know, you have, it, it's one thing. There's an underdog story, but you know, when teams really bad teams are getting away with things and controlling the play, just because the referees aren't, you know, enforcing the rule book, you know, you're creating a, a, an atmosphere in the league and a style of play that's just not conducive to growing the game. And the NHL is going to regress. Who's going to want to watch the inevitable um, Stanley Cup finals between Colorado and New York? Sure, Colorado is a dynamic enough team and uh, New York's very stringent, but that's not going to make for a good finals. It really, I mean, New York, come on. And I don't know. It, it's just, I, I don't like the direction the NHL is going. It's just uh, a bad place right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the winner of Colorado Vegas is going to get uh, the winner of Montreal Winnipeg, which is probably going to be uh, similar to what <laughs> happened with Colorado St. Louis, which is probably going to be a sweep for one of the teams. And um, yes, that Dom, that piece from Dom on the Athletic, um, I think it was Rachel Dari of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, she's he wrote in there that she he she rewatched every McDavid shift for the series against Winnipeg, counted over thirty infractions that were missed. Um, and, and I think the best line from that article, um, he, he, Dom writes, you know, when the stakes are at their highest, when there's the most to lose, the actual rules matter less and this beautiful game suffers as a result. I, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, when you're just letting the boys play in quotation marks, you're, you're, you're not calling the rule book and you're deciding the game that way. I don't think people understand that and you're, you're, you're not helping the teams that, you know, they're, they're not committing the penalties but the other team is, and you're not punishing those teams. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. It's been a problem like that, as you said, for many years now. And, and the worst thing about this, Jeff, is that you know the refs are just, if, for lack of better words, they're doing their jobs as they are instructed to do them. You know, the, the league wants it this way. That that's the worst thing. Gary Bettman, and you know all of his, what's the word? What's the word? I, I guess what stooges? I guess you know with everyone up there in the league's office, they want it to be this way. And that's, I think, the most sad part. I don't know that I agree that it's it's Bettman's way as much as it is Paris's way. Yeah. Because ever since that New York Rangers thing, it seems to have been even more lax or, at the very least, random in terms of where discipline was administered. And that that's it's not good. I mean, what it's going to do is it's going to bring the enforcers back into the league. And oh granted, it's it's part of hockey's history. But we've reached a point, I believe, in, in hockey where we understand that hockey is a better product when you have actual players of skill playing, not trying to avoid leviathans on the ice whose only purpose is to punch faces who wouldn't know what to do with the puck if it ever got on their stick. You know? Yeah. I, 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 it, I it doesn't belong in the NHL game. It just doesn't. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I really don't hope that we don't see any more enforcers into this game, especially because with how fast pace it's gotten and, 
you know, there is so much skill in our game already that I, I really hope we don't ever go back to that where, like you said, you know, they, they wouldn't know the puck was on their stick even if they saw it. So um, it, it does need, the officiating does need to be fixed. I'm hoping that with ESPN taking over the rights for the next seven years, as well as TNT, which is a, also a major broadcasting partner for a lot of other sports that, you know, maybe some of the people on there calling the games will call it out and maybe the league will start taking it serious. But um, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. I just, I really won't. Um, but I fear, oh, go ahead. my fear is that what's eventually going to happen is you're going to get some, you know, meathead that hits a guy because again, the, the pace of the game is way faster than it was 10 years ago. You're going to get a guy who hits some guy, you know, similar to the probably Perry on Tavares hit. That wasn't intentional, but when you get when you change somebody's or a, a momentum of their like head, yeah. you know that's very scary. And one, I, I don't want this ever to happen. But what I see happening is somebody dying on the ice, and then the league going, "Gee, what could we have done about that?" God, God forbid you know? that ever happens, man. Yeah, I mean, it, but I mean that's that's where this is leading. That's exactly where this is pointing, and it, it's a terrible place. And it, it sucks that it's going to have to bring something like that. And I, I really hope it doesn't happen. I really hope it changes before that happens. But with a bloodthirsty league, you know, yeah, they're going to get blood. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I agree with you. And like I said, man, I'm, I'm hoping that this gets changed or fixed sooner rather than later. And I think another thing is, you know, some of these calls that, you know, that it's kind of similar during the regular season. We don't notice as much because, okay, you know, it's one out of 82 games. Not everyone watches um, all, every regular season game just because, you know, like, you know, I guess more casual fans start watching for the playoffs. But, you know, as the playoffs come around and the stakes get the highest, you know, everyone is tuning into every single shift because, I mean, it's your team. Of course, you're going to watch every single shift of every single game. So I think that's also why um, this problem gets called out more in the playoffs, and, and rightfully so. You know, as the stakes get higher, you want your officiating – um, to be as good as it can be. And you don't see a lot of these problems um, in the NFL. I know the NFL has their officiating problems, but I don't think it's to the point of the NHL and with the MLB with their umpires. You know, everyone's been calling for robo-ums for so long, you know, myself included, but I don't even think theirs is nearly as bad um, as the NHL's. But um, still have a little more to get to for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Uh, but before we do that, it's time to talk about BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus for your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on. All right, so welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Just a few more minutes for you here, Jeff. Uh, I did want to ask you about this whole, um, this, this weird thing with you know David Ayers and his wife on Twitter. Um, going, uh, at, going at Danny, you know, Shari Irving, of course, who does great work with the Plans blog. I, I basically shout him out here weekly, I think, um, on the podcast for all the work that he does. Because um, he had that tweet last night you know, calling out, you know, like the, you, you don't need to hear about this veteran leadership and all this grit and toughness ever again because that's the reason why Toronto did sign mm-hmm. players such as Wayne Simmons and, you know, they traded for Nick Felino when Taylor Hall was right there and Jason Spezza, even though I thought Spezza had a good year, um, I guess maybe it's not really geared towards him, but some of the other 
great and toughness players. Just, you know, what what are your thoughts on that entire situation with Danny on all them? Okay, so here's a update. She has deleted the text that she retweeted of Danny's. And Danny was basically saying, hey, look, Toronto went out and got Tavares. They went out and got uh, Toledo and a bunch of other players that were noted for their veteran presence. He goes, they lost against Montreal. Spare me the narrative about how veteran presence makes a team better. And, you know, Danny, who's very much into analytics, is rightfully so uh, questioning the decision to go out and get the, you know, most veteran players they could without consideration to, well, outstanding consideration to their analytical uh, or contribution. And so Sarah Ayers, noted wife of emergency backup goalie, 15 minutes of fame, David Ayers, (laughs) uh, took it upon herself to say, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to uh, say bad things to him. I'm just going to let him live in his fantasy land or something to that effect where she was like insulting Danny for his perspective. Right. And so, you know, me being the one to ruffle feathers on Twitter, as I usually am, I retweeted her and I said, here's some facts. Your husband was lucky only because he was there when he was when he was. And that doesn't make you any sort of expert whatsoever. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, And then she clapped back at me with something. What was it? Uh, She said, oh, my husband worked his ass off for eight years at the least organization to get where he did. Nothing about luck. Backed up AHL games as well. No, it doesn't make me an expert, but it makes me a lot more in tune than a random sports guy who puts people down. Oh, does it, Becky? Because um, if you think that he has the wrong perspective, maybe you could take it up with uh, Joe Thornton on the nearest golf course. Um, first of all, you know, I, I'm not trying to discredit David Ayers. He, he had the opportunity of a lifetime. And being a semi-pro goalie who never quite made it, that's awesome. The Canes did an awesome job in front of him. Played some awesome defense. He got the win against his favorite team. He he lived every uh, non-professional hockey player, like rabid hockey fans dream. He really did. And I'm I'm very happy for the guy. But she has this little inexplicable army of e-bug simps out there that sit there and they fluff her. They fluff her and and they're just they're they're persuading her. They persuaded her that he got there somehow on his ability. Now, if I'm to look up his um, statistics on like a hockey reference page, and they do have it out there, Elite Prospects had his statistics. He he backed up for eight AHL games in the year of 2015-16 for the Toronto Marlies. Right, he never actually played. He played for the Norwood Vipers of the, I have no idea what this league even is, the ACH. The internet is telling me that it is the... I don't even really know what that league is, to be honest with you. It, it's not even a league. It's it, I just clicked on it and it says ACH. So this is something I've never heard of. I don't know if it's like the equivalent of the, the WHL or something to that effect. But his save percentage in that league was uh, .777. And then... Um, he played his one game as the emergency backup goalie. And so my point was mainly calling her out on saying, you know, that statistics don't matter or whatever. And that, you know, if, if she wasn't the wife of the emergency backup goalie who by chance uh, got into a game against the Leafs, she would have, you know, no business commenting on anything. Right. And 
you know, it, it wasn't, you know, some sort of misogynistic thing or anything like that. It was just somebody who felt they had a place, you know, trying to chirp Danny. And so I, you know, being a friend of Danny's as well, I stuck up for him. And so their army of simps was trying to at me. And strangely, none of them are really good at uh, insults on Twitter. There was a couple that I had no idea what they were talking about. A couple that I'm pretty sure weren't even speaking English, but using <laughs> English words. Um, that said, um, yeah, she, she says that he earned it. She said, and I quote, let's go back to the tweet. Uh, my husband worked his ass off for eight years. He was a Zamboni driver. It's not as though he worked his way through the ranks into the Carolina Hurricanes were like, oh, let's give this guy a start. No, he was a Zamboni driver. And James Reimer and whoever the heck the other Carolina goalie was, I mean, was it Mrazic? might have been Mrazic. Whoever it was got hurt. And, and so they're like, we need somebody. And he was like, hey, I'm here. I've played goalie before. How is that not luck? Oh, and she also retweeted my tweet and said, lucky. And then that's when all the simps came pouring in. I, and I, so I, I did see that. And I'm also just kind of tired of, you know, all this, uh, you know, the, the anti-analytics crap, especially when a team like Toronto goes out anyway, because you have all the, the weird people who just despise them. And then, you know, the, the people that go for Danny and then, then this stuff starts. It, it's just, such, it's just such hogwash, I think. And, um, you know, if I saw a tweet today, I don't know, remember who tweeted it, but you know, if you're not really using analytics, even in some capacity, you're, you're behind, you're behind the curve. And I, and I think you'll always be behind their curve if you never incorporate them into your analysis. And I think that's why, you know, some of those people like, you know, Sarah Ayers and David Ayers are just, you know, so mad just because, you know, I think they're behind the curve a little bit and, you know, they're just, that they get mad for the sake of getting mad. And I think that's honestly what you're seeing on Twitter with them is that they just, they, they can't even take a little bit of heat. Right. And uh, you know, it's a great story and, and yeah. by all means, David Ayers, the, the whole story was awesome, mm -hmm. you know, but the reality of it is that veteran leadership and ignorance toward analytics. I mean, Kyle Dubas was known to be an analytics. Dude. He was, he, he was known for it. And he totally just ignored it this year and said, let's go get the, the most leadership oriented players that we can. And it blew up in his face. Yeah. Similar to how you know the Leafs playing against their Zamboni driver blew up in their face. I, I think. So, the, yeah, I think the main thing with that is just I, he, I think he honestly felt the pressure from the Toronto media because like, oh well, you know they they lost to Columbus, they they weren't big enough, like they were go out and get some some grit and some toughness, and then Dubas was like, okay, went out and got Wayne Simmons, you know, the trade for Nick Foligno, Joe Thorne, Jason Spezza, you know, now what is he going to do after his team just blew a three one series lead? You know, is he going to stick with that or is he going to? blow the team up a little bit you know just is he going to stick to his usual philosophy you know, this there's a lot of questions coming for him i think in this offseason i agree and you know i don't get me wrong it, toronto the thing that i'm happy about with toronto losing is that the media is so wildly insufferable it's yes. you know just the way that you know they run players out of town i mean you, you look at first of all look at um Phil Kessel and the whole Steve Simmons thing. And, you know, it's just, and then the whole like, oh, we, you know, we, we revived the career of Alex Galchenyuk because he played well for like two or three games in a row. And it's just insufferable. And so anytime Toronto, I, you know, I, I have liked Toronto in the past and, you know, I, I hope for their success and they've got a lot of good players. I like Austin Matthews. 
I like, you know, William Nylander. I like uh, Mitch Marner, but in the end it's their fans, their media are so insufferable that it's like they lost. All right. I could, I could stomach that. Oh, and Steve Dangle. Oh my God. I can't stand Steve Dangle. I mean, some of these, some of Steve's videos are definitely not for me. I'll say that about him though. Um, it does take a lot of work and dedication to like actually keep doing that, which is he's been doing. I don't, I don't know how long exactly he's been doing it, but the fact that he keeps doing it, um, you know, I, 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 I did, I finally tuned into one of his videos. It was the one today. I think it was like a half an hour and I, and I'm not really someone who tunes into them a lot. You know, I, sometimes I can't take it. Um, but today I the actually, castle video was good, but yeah, that's I, from a Pittsburgh Penguins fan perspective. I actually kind of felt bad for him today. Just saying whatever he said for, I this, for 20, 25 minutes. I just, it, it comes a point where it's just like your franchise is cursed and you know, there's just nothing you can do about it. You know, I don't even believe that in sports, but when it comes to that franchise, you'd be hard pressed to tell me that that team is not cursed. Hunter, it's a matter of time until we see him come up with a movie, Steve Dangle's Big Adventure, where somebody <laughs> steals his bike and he's got to find it and their ex leaves to help him find it. <laughs> that, that, lost again. <laughs> that, 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 that would be a, a bit funny to, to watch. I, I, would, I would just say, you know, I, I did feel. Um, a bit bad, definitely only watching this video, you know, like I said, a lot of his stuff is not for me. Um, but I will, you know, respect his, his dedication to always doing it just because, you know, he's been at it for, I think over a decade now, but, um, Jeff, unless you have anything else to add, I think I might, uh, call this episode of the locked on penguins podcast, but, um, you know, where can everyone follow you on Twitter for all your pens takes at Radim Zahorna. And that is all you need to know. Basically, you know, he will, um, post anything regarding penguins and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. But Jeff, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And we'll have another episode tomorrow with Wesley Euler coming on the show of ESPN Pittsburgh. So I'll talk to you all then.